Welcome for another episode of Detecting the Marvelous, where we talk about all things comic books and we all, yeah, talk about our favorite comic booky stuff. Uh, I'm here, I'm Dan Rosen, uh, and our co-hosts, uh, we've got Lainey LaRose and Matthew Ardo here. Um, and we've got a really great uh, choice that Lainey's going to take us through. We're going to be talking uh, very timely because the movie just came out, but we're going to be talking about Ms. Marvel. How are you guys doing? Great. Really good. Yeah. Excited for this. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. And so Matthew, why don't you uh, lead us through uh, the history? Sure. Sure. Now, Ms. Marvel is a character who's had a few incarnations um, before the most current, uh, the original being Carol Danvers, uh, who is the current Captain Marvel. Uh, and shares the screen with Ms. Marvel in the Marvels movie that was just released. Carol was uh, created in 1968. There is also Carla Soffin, who was created in 1975, and Sharon Ventura in 1985. So all carried the moniker before we're the Ms. Marvel we're talking about today, Kamala Khan, uh, who debuted in M Captain Marvel 14 in August of 2013, and is one of like a few a few true legacy characters in comic books. You don't get a lot of, because people try to keep these characters alive for a long time. This is one of the few times we have a character who's directly inspired by a, a previous character. Um, the other notable uh, ones in the Marvel universe being the Patriot and Miles Morales as Spider-Man, um, all being inspired by a prior superhero. Um, now, Carol Danvers was a U.S. Air Force pilot originally. Uh, the original Ms. Marvel, uh, she had a few names, including Binary and Warbird, uh, before settling into Captain Marvel in 2012 to honor Marvell, the original Captain Marvel, who had helped grant her her powers. Um, she was created by Roy Thomas and Jean Colon. Uh, and while she's had several solo comics, uh, she was primarily in the Avengers, often operating as the leader. Um, this is the person who Kamala looked up to, hero-worshipped, um, something we see delightfully in the comic and the Disney Plus TV show. Uh, she was created by G. Willow Wilson, uh, a New, New Jersey-born uh, Muslim, uh, editor uh, Sana Amanat, Pakistani-American, uh, also born in New Jersey, and Canadian artist Adrian Elfona. Uh, who helped create The Runaways and worked on Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, Captain Britain, and MI-13, and The Uncanny X-Men. Uh, together, these three, um, two of whom are Muslim, all are people of color, created Kamala Khan, a Muslim girl from New Jersey with uh, dealing with all the stigma and damage that goes along with being a Muslim in America, growing up in New Jersey, and Ms. Marvel's first Muslim superhero. Uh, you have to wonder how much it was inspired by these uh, creators' experiences. Um, Wilson uh, grew up in Monmouth County, New Jersey. Uh, she first found uh, love of comics with the X-Men in fifth grade while reading an anti-smoking pamphlet 
in which they were featured. Uh, this drew her into the world of comics because she started doodling them constantly and demanded to be allowed to play on the playground as an X-Men when boys were playing mutants as inspired by the X-Men cartoon at the time. Um, she has gone on to write for po uh, Poison Ivy, Batman, and other comics as well as both fiction and non-fiction titles including The Butterfly Mosque depicting her journey into faith. Uh, in a New Yorker interview, Wilson remarked that there is a neat ideological overlap between superhero comics and religion in a positive sense. Both things are about voluntarily holding yourself to superhuman ideals, doing good even when not required, it's not required of you. Uh, she also made a point to mention how she and Aminat, uh would or wanted to create a character struggled to live up the, to the ideals that uh, Kamala had set for herself, um, but Kamala keeps trying. Now, Sana Aminat uh, is the daughter of Pakistani immigrants. Uh, parents is very much uh, the source of a lot of the inspiration for Kamala. A huge comic book fan, she studied political science at Columbia University and originally started working in the independence comic space at Virgin Comics before moving to Marvel in 2009. After being approached by Marvel due to having something different to offer from the, quote, regular fanboy who has read comics since he was a kid, unquote. And it was felt like it was kind of a change that Marvel needed to evolve by the Marvel editorial staff at that time. Um, that The executive must have been onto something because in a few short years later, Aminat was uh, presenting a copy of Ms. Marvel number one to Barack Obama in the White House. Um, uh, now, she is a fixture of um, the mighty House of Marvel at, at, at Comic-Con. Santa, she regularly hosts Women of Marvel uh, panels at Comic-Con and co-hosts a podcast of the same name. She also has a TEDx teen presentation from 2014 called Myths, Misfits, and Masks discussing how comics tap into teen struggles with self-image and worth. Uh, in 2014, uh, while speaking with Arvel, uh, Marvel editor Stephen uh, Wacker, Aminat recounted a story growing up as a Muslim teenager in New Jersey, and Wacker, uh, in Aminat's word, found it hilarious. Uh, they then thought to bring in uh, Willow, uh, Will or G. Willow Wilson, and she jumped immediately at the prospect. Um, she said, uh, Aminat said the concept came from a desire to explore the American Muslim diaspora, excuse me, the desire to explore the Muslim American diaspora from an authentic perspective. Uh, she continues to work with Marvel and is currently executive producer on Daredevil Born Again, as well as the producer for the uh, Ms. Marvel T uh, Disney Plus series and several other projects. Now, Canadian-born Adrian Alfona started working on the X-Men in 1993 as a penciler with the X-Men Unlimited uh, series, uh, but has worked on dozens of titles from co-creating The Runaways, doing adaptations of Street Fighter, and to this day continues working on Marvel as, a, as write, writing for uh, the Ms. Marvel TV show, Runaways, video game design at the, on the Midnight Suns video game, and it was part of the art department for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, now, Ms. Marvel uh, debuted to huge interest with the I am Ms. Marvel hashtag trending 
on Twitter uh, with young women using the cover to create uh, Instagram and Twitter posts uh, using her face from the nose down and their face up, uh, which was a great, great trending uh, thing on social media. Uh, it's the first Marvel comic to sell more digital prints uh, than paper prints at release, which is something Wilson pointed out in um, that New Yorker interview I mentioned earlier uh, that highlighted that the world of comics is a much more diverse market when given the opportunity because there's a lot of markets that simply don't intersect. Um, a lot of people who will read comics are happy to buy them online, but don't feel comfortable going into these traditional spaces. Um, and further proof of this is it was the number one selling graphic novel of October 2014, with ongoing success being within the top 10 uh, selling books to top 50 sell selling books to this day. So it's remained successful for the last decade. Um, and one thing that came up is a lot of right wing bloggers will rage against it. But in my opinion, when you're pissing off right wing bloggers and they consider you part of the socialist Muslim homosexual attack on American values, yeah. you're probably you're probably doing something right. <laughs> so, so, yes, that was a very long and drawn out history of Ms. Marvel. Yeah. It's wild. I didn't realize that it had sold the most digital copies. That's yeah. a really cool fact. Yeah, it's, it's really it had some really amazing success. Um, you know, what drew you to the comic? Why do you, why do you want to talk about this one, Lainey? Um, well, I guess we all kind of decided to do this one since it made sense with the release of the Marvels. And as I mentioned in our first episode, this was the very first comic run that um, that I ever read. I actually only found out about Ms. Marvel. Uh, because it won the Goodreads Best Graphic Novel and Comic Books for that year. Um, and I just loved it. There's just so much intersectionality in it and so much you can resonate with the story of Kamala that like it just really let me kind of explore my world into comics from that point on, for sure. So I guess I will give you all a summary of of yeah. this run of uh, of Ms. Marvel. So we meet Kamala savoring over a display of BLT sandwiches at the local Circle Q with her where her best friend Bruno works and her other best friend Nakia is trying to convince her that Fakin isn't completely terrible. Yeah. In, walks, in walks two of their high school's classmates, Zoe and Josh, or as Bruno calls them, the concern trolls, as they make horribly insulting comments but phrase it as genuine concern. Josh mentions a party that Kamala wants to go to, but no, she can't. So she asks her parents anyway, which turns into an argument and leads to her deciding to sneak out. She shows up at the party where Zoe and Josh double down on their awfulness. Bruno confronts Kamala, concerned that she snuck out and worried what her parents will say. Kamala, irritated that Josh, or sorry, irritated that Bruno isn't on her side, storms off. As she's walking home, Kamala gets entrenched in this mist and she starts to feel off. All of a sudden, Captain Marvel, Captain America, and Iron Man show up, reciting a classic poem to Kamala in Urdu called Sakal Bun, or The Yellow Mustard, which is written by 13th century poet Amir Khusro. 
She talks to them about disobeying her parents in hopes of feeling accepted by her peers, but how instead Zoe took it as permission to make fun of Kamala's family as if Kamala wouldn't would be okay with it. Kamala explains that she's really just struggling to find her place and identity in this world. And when Captain Marvel asks her who she wants to be, she replies with someone less complicated and goes on about how awesome it would be to be her. As the superheroes disappear, Kamala gets her wish, changing into this tall, slender, blonde Captain Marvel-like soup, immediately second-guessing her wish. She describes the transformation as one big muscle that's tensed up. Kamala transforms back into herself, unsure of what's happening. She makes her way back to the river where the party was. As soon as she hears Zoe's voice in the distance, she uncontrollably reverts back to Captain Marvel. And she describes it as like a reflex, like a fake smile. And as soon as Zoe shows up, she feels uncomfortable, like she has to be someone else, someone cool, but instead she feels small. Zoe has this classic teen movie moment on the dock where Josh is getting too fresh after a couple of beers and Zoe ends up falling into the river, trying to push him away. Kamala runs in and saves Zoe from the water, still dressed up as Captain Marvel, but then runs off. She reflects that this whole time, the things she thought would make her happy, like being blonde, having blonde wavy hair and killer boots, didn't. But the happiness she was searching for was what she found in saving Zoe, linking it back to a verse in the Quran her dad would always recite to her, which goes, whoever kills one person, it is as if he has killed all of mankind. And whoever saves one person, it is as if he has saved all of mankind. Kamala makes her way home, only to find out that Bruno called her parents worried about her. Her parents try to ask her what's going on and why she seems to be changing so much and becoming so defiant, but she can't find the words to explain it to them. Frustrated, her parents ground her. And then meanwhile, news of Zoe's rescue gets around leaving people asking who this Captain Marvel copycat is. Meanwhile, Bruno's Vic, brother Victor Vic shows up asking him for money, clearly getting into some shady dealings, talking about this person called the inventor who's going to shake things up, but Bruno refuses to give him the money. Kamala starts researching, trying to figure out what's happening to her, and as she feels herself transforming again in class, she runs into the girl's locker room, where she finds out that she can polymorph herself into other people other than Captain Marvel, and that it comes from more of a subconscious level um, as she transforms into her mom. Still mad at Bruno for ratting her out, she avoids him at school, but reluctantly decides to talk with him at the circle queue later. But then as she shows up, she sees Bruno getting robbed, not realizing it's Vic trying to convince Bruno to give him money from the cash register. She once again morphs into Captain Marvel and stops Bruno, but not before he shoots her and runs off. As Bruno calls the cops, Kamala transforms uh, back into herself, telling Bruno her secret. Together they meet up to find Bruno, who's been taken hostage in this dodgy house in Greenville. Kamala uses her powers to try and save him, but finds she is no match for the mohawked ringleader Doyle and his robotic laser crabs. She shrinks herself down and runs away, leaving, leaving Vic behind. This leads to the typical hero family heart-to-heart after their first defeat, where Kamala's dad tells Kamala she doesn't need to try to be anyone else but herself, but she is perfect just as she is which then leads to the typical superhero training montage where Bruno helps Kamala better understand how to optimize her new body and powers. Where Kamala, This is where Kamala reflects that good is not a thing that you are, it is a thing that you do. Kamala returns to the sketchy hideaway and barrels in, riding one of the robotic crabs. Before the group of punk rebels can stop her, she grabs Vic and runs. 
Mohawk pug rabble leader Doyle yells after her that the inventor will find her and then vandalizes the circle queue with the message that the bird man cometh and leaves a doll of a dead Miss Marvel behind. Ms. Marvel then shows up to a crowd looking at the vandal vandalization and introduces herself to the citizens of Jersey City, reassuring them she will not let this Birdman threaten her city. And that is the first volume of Ms. Marvel in a Nutshell. Yeah, it's uh, I I yeah, I really loved it. Uh, that was a good, yeah, a great summary. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, I I love how. Yeah, it uses it uses tropes right, you know. Like, yes, it there there's things that are like the typical superhero, the the Uncle Ben speech from Abu, and mm-hmm. like the the good is what you do, not who you are stuff. But it it put, frames it in such a way that it feels organic, it feels natural, mm-hmm. and it really is like it's a through line where we can find connection with this character because we all struggle with these battles. And it's it it humanizes her. It doesn't. It's not like oh, this is a toss away reference. It's like she's thinking and seeing and feeling the same things that we are. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like I think that's what I resonate most with 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 Ms. Marvel is in my high school experience. I very much had similar experience trying to fit in with a group of people who didn't understand me and my culture community. Um, and it wasn't until I came to Toronto and like had that freedom to really explore who I was that like I found that strength and realized how how much easier it is just to be yourself. So I love that this this series reinforces that to the teenage community who gets to read this. And yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I was gonna say just because it takes place in Jersey City, but I like growing up in Mississauga outside of Toronto as like the suburbiest suburb ever <laughs> I found it to be very relatable yeah uh and uh yeah like I mean and even as like a Jewish person that whole like no faking is still pretty good like very much related <laughs> to that yeah. uh <clears throat> and so yeah like I think I when I was reading I was like oh this feels like she's a combination of Peter Parker and Squirrel Girl almost like a yeah. bit of like those two personalities which I really loved because she's got the teenager thing she's not like as nerdy as peter is um Mm -hmm. when it comes to science stuff like she's smart but then she's also distracted by all the regular you know like teen stuff and i do think that all of that really is what like you said makes it so relatable like it's just all the really teen stuff and it's just everything's very casually multicultural in a way that so like you know you have everyone hanging out together and that was my high school experience in Mississauga. Uh, and I just also wanted to say I love like little cheeky bits that they have. Like she's eating GMOs as her like cereal yeah. instead of Cheerios. <laughs> and if you zoom in, if you're reading it digitally on the side, it says, don't believe what the lawyers say. Believe your gut <laughs> on the oh, side I of the mean, GMO box. So <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's so good. And like there's another issue of Ms. Marvel where they're walking past like a gentrified shopping zone and uh, there's a whole, like it's Whole Foods logo, but it's called Bougie Foods instead. Uh, <laughs> so all those little cheeky comments thrown in are so, so good. Yeah, it's so true. Now, one of the, you brought up Peter Parker and during the, 
in a way this this i think one of the reasons why ms marvel and and miles um around this period found so much success as well is because like Mar peter parker and spider-man are really the most popular comic in from marvel them and the x-men and during this period was the peter parker industrialist phase when they were like let's turn him into iron man and all of a sudden he was super rich mm. he had this major big company parker industries nobody could identify with him he's no longer that that teenager they, di they didn't know what he was doing but you had this character that very much channels that exact same spirit it doesn't do so in like a a, a way that's uh you know feels like it's trying to emulate it's it's its own thing it's its own experience and i mean you mentioned mississauga and new jersey and new jersey is it's almost i think that's one of the grounding elements is it's so jersey uh you know mm. like it because there's there's kind of like a relationship between like you know it's right across from manhattan you can see see it from jersey city and manhattan from the shores of one another um I wouldn't say there's a resentment, but there's definitely <laughs> feelings that that people have. You can see that when she's in the on the cover of the last issue of this um, this five issue arc, her sitting on the street lamp looking at, at Manhattan across the bay, um, which is, they also do in the Disney Plus TV show. They capture that scene as well. Um, so it, it gives it this grounding. It gives it a sense there's a community she's a part of, you know, and yeah. it's like Peter was the hero of Queens. Miles is the hero of Brooklyn and Kamala is a part of Jersey city. She's a part of its fabric. And in that, that final, that hero speech, the, the tropey hero speech we get at the end, it again, it's like, don't, you know, don't mess. You know, it felt natural. It's, she, it wasn't somebody who's just pretending to live there. It was somebody who was raised there and is a part of her. And that just yeah. felt really special. Yeah, it's so true. I think because she says, and like, it's not just like a don't worry, I'll protect you. It's like, yeah, we're like New Jerseyans. We're loud. Like, we don't accept disrespect. <laughs> kind of. And I'm like, yeah, like, this just feels so authentic. It's so true. Yeah, I loved it. It was like when you talk about like uh, movies or TV shows or comic books where like it really has a sense of place. Like, it really, like, Jersey City is a background character. And I would even say, especially more in the TV show, but like the mosque uh and all that like like the muslim community becomes also like a supporting character as well and what's great just even in these five issues you see like a diversity of muslim experiences like kamala's is very different from her brothers from her parents from her friend nakia's like they're all but they all still hang out they also understand each other um so it really does show you know both like the like old traditions and the new traditions and really capturing you know the essence like that quote that her father uses about how if you save one person you've saved the world um so like her spirituality is part of her hero uh her being a hero which i thought was really cool and one of the things i really love about this too is you know i mean being human mayonnaise um like i i am the target demographic of comics <laughs> for years and years but to be honest, it becomes boring. I mean, it's the same reason why I don't gravitate towards a lot of comedians who are like the typical white male yeah. comedian, because it's like, 
yeah, I know this. I, like, this is the same thing I hear over and over. I want to hear something that's from a different perspective that brings that brings me a different voice. And like reading the letter section of these comics was awesome. Like you just yeah. saw all of these people who are like, I feel represented for the first time. I feel myself reflected in this character. And that's joyful. And also in the Disney Plus TV show, unfortunately, they only did two episodes, but it was two um, Pakistani Muslim girls from New Jersey who were watching the show and they were all ready to call total baloney. They were not comic book fans. They were not marvel fans they're just like oh this is this oh there's a muslim girl sure <laughs> but they watch it and it's like oh damn yeah like this is this is true it's speaking truth to their experience and i think that comes from being written by you know and created by people who share the same faith people who grew up in their communities um which is like this it's important you can't just have the same writers and the same people over and over again and giving platform to different different people of different with different experiences is really great creates great storytelling opportunities it does and it like i love that it invites not saying that there wasn't a demographic of comic book readers before but it invites new comic book readers to feel welcomed in this community in such a way like i know when i was growing up um i didn't see a lot of black representation um, on TV or in books and films and in such a way. And now I'm lucky enough that there is that expanse, but like, I love to see more communities being opened and welcome to share their stories to the world. And in a way like this, it's so amazing. Absolutely. I think, yeah, like Kumail Nanjani had said something about how like growing up, you know, like he would, he would still relate to Peter Parker, even though Peter Parker, you know, you know, wasn't Pakistani, but then, He's like, as you go on, then it's like, it's okay, because then you see your own representation, and then you can relate to that, and then other people can still relate to it. And I find the more specific you go into someone's culture, it'll actually be more relatable, because I see like a lot of similarities with, you know, her relationship with Islam and so on, similar to like me with Judaism. And like, there's a lot of almost parallels between her and Ben Grimm as the thing with like the way he is with Judaism. And I think the more specific you get into it, into a thing, just the more relatable it is to anyone. Uh, so you'll get that new community that wasn't represented before. But like, if you're someone who just is interested in good stories, uh, like I know someone who is like very, very conservative, like a uh, white guy, comedian guy, but one of his favorite was Black Panther because he was like, oh, it was just such a good story. It was such a good movie. And so you can really, I think, when you just get like really into like sort of the human yeah appeal to that character then you'll uh yeah you'll just you'll dra draw people in more and then like i'm like oh cool like i'm learned like i didn't know those quotes from you know the quran or that uh 13th century poem yellow mustard i forget what you said the original the other title was but uh yeah like it's uh, yeah and like one of the things I really enjoy too, from a comic book world perspective, is they connect it to the Marvel universe, but they don't overburden it with Marvel. It gets a, once you starts like hanging out with Wolverine and and stuff, and starts oh, yeah. meeting other superheroes, it, and totally loses her shit every time because she's a huge fangirl. Like yeah. you know, and you know, like I would if I met Wolverine on the street. Um, 
but like you know, so like the 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 fog being Terrigen Mist, and you know they casually name dropping Inhumans. She doesn't realize that she's an Inhuman yet, but um, like so it's it's tying it into the bigger Marvel world without hitting you over the head with exposition. Mm. Like that's one of the things I loved about this too. Like a lot of the comics we've covered, you know, like going back to '90s X Men, for example, where it's like, okay, well we've got like three novellas worth of of uh, plot to to get into your head to set you up for this so we're gonna go with huge word blocks and like messes of dialogue just to get this into you uh so by the next series we'll be it it integrates this world organically and i mean i think that speaks to the qualities of the artists and the writers involved in this they are they are good at what they do they communicate good storytelling and world building without having to rely on excessive exposition and and just forcing it down the, the narrative throat so to speak yeah. and one thing i would say is also i love how grounded i felt this was like the there's not like huge big battles throughout it like 90 percent of it is like teenage conflict which mm-hmm. pulls you through it and I thought it was so amazing that, like, I think it's in the fourth issue where she then admits, you know what, I'm going to lose here. So I'm going to retreat mm-hmm. and live to fight another day and do the smart thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she comes back and it's not about knocking out or defeating the bad guys. It's about the mission of saving the person. And so I thought that was really cool because then it looks like, you know, in that ominous ending that that guy's gonna be in trouble anyways from his boss like he has that really (laughs) ominous meeting with the inventor uh so i thought that was just so clever and it was just like a more grounded superhero and i want to say the one thing for of her powers that i um the one thing that i wish that they had tried to figure out for the tv show like because i really like the tv show but i just love the way her powers of her like awkwardly growing a huge hand and stuff like that and like growing larger and smaller it's like very teenage like gross spurt puberty like mm-hmm. and so i just would have loved to see that in the show because it's so great here in the comic book as she's like oops like growing and breaking everything by accident in the uh <laughs> girls change room and stuff like that so yeah i thought that was really cool I think it is it's a missed opportunity. I can understand with the oh, the way that the TV the Marvel television team have been overstretched as far as things are why they didn't go that direction because to do it well. Like they couldn't do like I loved She-Hulk. But there were moments where I'm just like, ooh, we couldn't have like sent that past back through the rendering one more time. Right. Yeah. Something like that. So I could see why they avoided that, but it's it's a shame because like her powers are so unique and fun and wonderful and create such a great, yeah. great experience. Because yeah, there's an animated one that I remember watching a bit during like when everything was shut down. So I was like, all right, I've like already gone through all the Marvel movies two or three times. Let, let's watch some of like the kids show stuff. And there... Uh, I can't remember if she's in the Avengers or if it's just her and like I think it's like her and Shuri and a couple others and uh, they're all like roommates or something like that. It's like very much for like tweens and below like but uh, 
like her like the way her powers look are, is so fun and so cool like it's just all of a sudden she's got like these big like fists that she smashes things with or you know how <laughs> yeah. she can also there's control by like picking someone up and be like all right i'm placing you here out of the battle and like yeah <laughs> and it just fits with her personality so well and yeah yeah no it really does it's it's like you said i love that like a lot of the story is grounded in being a teenager even just with the arguments with her family like it just felt so realistic of like her changing and trying to figure out who she is and her family not understanding that process and and getting frustrated with that yeah and like those powers really emanate that in such a good way too Mm -hmm. and the fact that her parents and her brother genuinely love her yeah is so beautiful as well like again it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel contrived the relationship that they build it's key to the story it's it's as much the community and and around her immediate community being family the broader community being Nakia and Bruno and so even Zoe who eventually we find out has her own struggles and is not in such a perfect situation um yeah, it's 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 wonderful. And I mean, Dan, you were mentioning it was grounded, but at the same time, the main villain they set up is the reincarnated clone of Thomas Edison mixed with a cockatiel, <laughs> and it works. Yeah. It works. Oh, so you can. It, it's that like, as like the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's like this is the most ridiculous thing I've read. But he is from Jersey, so. It's a Jersey villain that they're going up against. Jersey villain. Yeah. Uh, But it's like so bonkers. But I'm like, yeah, it works. It works in this reality for me. It doesn't feel like too much at any point. For sure. And you guys were talking about how much like her family loves her. One of my favorite bits in the whole thing was when her brother like catches her sneaking back in. It's like, who did this to you? Me? I'll get the boys from there. Like, we'll beat you up. Beat them up. We'll like make sure you like, like never wanted to be alive. And then. I say, no, no, no one did this to me. Oh, well, in that case, you're in big trouble because mom and dad know that you snuck out. (laughs) (laughs) I just went back to like brother snitching. (laughs) Yeah, And and being a big brother, I'm like, yeah, I know that feeling. (laughs) I'd be be there. Like, who did it? Oh, oh, okay. Well, you're screwed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I have to say, I want it. I'm a bad guy. Sure. I, I want that shirt. Yeah. It's so hilarious. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's what I think is like so great about like really good writing. And because uh, I don't know if that was the in the writing or if it was just like Adrian Alfona had like that idea. But uh, like where it's like, all right, how many like if we throw in some extra jokes or some extra personality onto the page, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with like GMOs and. I'm a bad guy, Sheridan. We're walking past bougie foods and like, yeah. you know, or whatever other like little things that like you can go back or. Yeah. Pause even, at. even sort of absurd things like the wing sloth stuffy that she has in her room shows up yeah. in her hallucination with the heroes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they bring that into the TV show too, which I just love even more. So yeah. Like her, her YouTube channel being wing sloth productions yeah. and, the, and, the, and that, that same panel, like the birds are wearing these little hats those hats are the hat that she wears yeah. kind of thing is like her hallucination and something. I don't know. I mean, and sort of since we talked about the TV show, uh, which feeds into the movie and uh, the comic here. So how, one of the one, one of the ways that I find it so 
wonderful um, is is really this comic created a situation where you really have people who were became inspired by it and went on to get involved. So Iman uh, Vellani, who stars in the Ms. Marvel, Canadian Canadian performer, uh, she is in the TV show and the movie and is now the writer of Ms. Marvel, the new mutant, because now I guess because in humans stunk up the room so bad with their their screen adaptation like no she's a mutant now she's a mutant now um but she is a huge comic book fan she found ms marvel through a local comic shop helped her fall in love with the 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 world of comics to the point where she got into arguments with kevin feige about the the universe number saying no this isn't 616 no it's not (laughs) it's not 616 when he said it was but she's she she has recently said, I want to do a season two, so I will no longer be arguing with him. <laughs> so she's a smart young woman. Uh, but, you know, she she is like she is embedded within the culture and Marvel sees, appreciates and kind of elevates that because this is a, this is a person who came to represent this character's public face. And has as much connection as many of the other people involved in it. And they're, they're working together and, and yeah, it's like, it's just awesome. It's, it's like the entire Ms. Marvel universe of, of, of stories. I mean, there's a video game, um, the Avengers video game that came out a while ago where you got to play as her. And I was like, this is the most fun I've had in a video game in ages. And, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's wonderful. And uh, yeah, I love it. I think also if you're hiring an actor who is like arguing with like the head of everything, uh, <laughs> you probably cast though like someone who is like, oh, like this person really knows the character then or is like really yeah. into this universe and like multiverse stuff. Uh, so I think they really like I didn't know any of that about her. I was just like, ooh, Canadian. I think even I can't remember if she's from Mississauga or. Yeah. yeah. So she's from Mississauga. So that was another one. I'm like, yeah, hometown. Um but uh yeah like someone who just like really like uh like when i when i found out that she was such a she'd been like she had become a writer and she was because she was such a huge fan i was like oh right these are the kind of like fan people like fanboys fangirls you want to like have writing who just like really knew the characters and like really like you know knows the stories and uh yeah like that was i was like oh no wonder she was so great on screen as that character because i think she really carried the show for me like the other Absolutely. actors were great but she really i think was like yeah spot I couldn't on imagine a better actor for this mm. position like there's great Absolutely. actors who can like transform into any character personality but just the fact that her personality just reflects so much of ms marvel and kamala as a whole like it just was like it was almost feels like destiny for her to to, to play her yeah yeah absolutely I mean, like Ms. Marvel, Kamala in the comics writes fan fiction, and um, Iman in real life did YouTube stop motion animations with Marvel action figures. So they are like literally the same person in a lot of ways. (laughs) It's like, wait a second, what? (laughs) So, so yeah, yeah. Oh, so cool. Well, um, I have to say this was a joy to discuss. It's seriously, it's one of the comics that 
reinvigorated my faith in superhero comics as a, as a medium. Um, so thanks for, for bringing it to us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is one of the most relatable awesome. of all. Yeah. So anything anybody wants to share before we wrap it up? Okay. No, just well, that I need to get out to see the Marvels movie as soon as I can. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It's fun. It's fun. And then once again, Oman carries the carries the uh, carries the movie on her shoulders. She is. Oh, nice. She is a delight to be in it. So I, oh, I won't say anything else. I won't ruin it. But <laughs> yeah. It is wonderful. It is great. Sure. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning into Detecting the Marvelous. listening to Detecting the Marvelous, a Far From Here Productions and ShowbizMonkeys.com co-production. Your producers have been Dan Rosen, Lainey LaRose, and Matt Ardell. Music composed by Glenn Bouchamp. And art by Ben Steamroller. Thanks for listening, and remember, true believers, Excelsior! Excelsior!